when you refer to a, a tissue, most people refer to it as a Kleenex, right? Or when you refer to a marker, it's, hey, do you have a Sharpie, right? These are brand names that have become iconic brands or thoughts or mentions. So when people refer to a knife or a kitchen product, I want them to refer to it as a Cutco. Where's my Cutco? Not where's my knife? And then while doing that, obviously I want people to think of Cutco Mike so they can buy more Cutco from me. That's the voice of Mike Dowd, better known to most people simply as Cutco Mike. One of the all-time top producing salespeople in the history of the company, Cutco Mike is on the forefront of innovating ways to promote and brand his business by providing a unique experience for his customers. In this conversation, he generously shares ideas for marketing and promotion that can apply to any sales business. Cutco Mike is authentic, engaging, funny, smart, and brings genuine enthusiasm to everything he does. If you're in any type of sales or marketing, you'll love learning from his stories and insights. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I am fired up about today's episode because we've got Cutco Mike on the podcast today. Yes, Mike Dowd is our guest. He is a veteran of the Cutco business dating back to 2004. Originally started with the company in Chicago, ultimately relocated to the St. Louis area. Mike was a district manager for about four years with the company, which he calls his college education, his Vector University where he learned many of the skills that it takes to succeed in business and in life. Ultimately, he decided that being a full-time Cutco sales rep was the path he wanted to take. And Mike Dowd has become one of the all-time great Cutco sales reps, number 11 as of now on the all-time list in personal sales. He was number five overall in the company in sales for the year 2019. Mike is married to his wife, Rachel, for about the last six years. They have two kids with a third one on the way this May or June. And Mike Dowd has become one of the best known Cutco reps, an expert at branding and marketing and promoting the Cutco product and the Cutco brand. Uh, Mike's got a lot of great ideas to share, and I know you're going to love this interview. So Cutco Mike, thanks so much for making time for the podcast. Well, Dan, you are a legend, and it is an honor to be featured on the call and the podcast, and uh, I'm fired up. So let's rock and roll, baby. Yeah, let's do this. That sounds great. Well, tell us a little bit about how you got started with Cutco back in 2004. Yeah, so I started in the end of summer, so August 4th, 
of 2004, coming off of a great job at Kmart and Sports Authority. And uh, rest in peace to those businesses. And I was a personal <laughs> recruit of a good friend in high school named James Ocaro, who actually won a scholarship, was uh, Justin Donald's uh, lead sales manager. And they were running a personal recruiting contest. And Justin was doing some form of uh, cash bonus or something. And my buddy's like, you got to go try this out. And at the time, I didn't have a car and no money. And uh, I actually got fired from Sports Authority. So I, uh, I was a prime target to go sell some knives. And that's kind of the original start of it all. So I borrowed my mom's Mazda protege with uh, fake spinner hubcaps and roll down windows and went out to pedal some blades. So Awesome. So you were an August 4th start in the business, Mike. I was August 1st and I was coming off a great job at a movie theater that is also now rested in peace. So uh, it's great that we are both here now working in Cutco. What I'd like to do is hear a little more about your early experiences and how you progressed and what you learned. Yeah. So back in the day, you know, the walls were plastered with the scholarship standings. So I always looked at those faces, you know, growing up loving baseball, I collected baseball cards and, you know, I was a a sports almanac. So when I saw these faces, these Cutco people, I'm like, I'm going to be the next face on a wall. And uh, I went out and won a uh, fall scholarship. I believe I was like number 27 and hit FSM at the time. And then really where my eyes were truly open was at the first year-end banquet and just seeing all the people on stage uh, with awards and swords and trophies and and cash bonuses. And I was sitting in that audience and my hands were hurting because I was clapping so much, but I wasn't really recognized because, you know, it was based off of year performances. So I went up to my manager and I was like, I will win a sword next year. And then I went out and I won the sword and uh, it was pretty awesome. But I just remember that moment where I was like, I will win the sword. And my manager still, you know, at the time would always bring up, you know, just me being true to my word. And then he got promoted from a district level to a, a division level. So we were in Chicago, Oak Brook at the time. And he got the opportunity to take over, you know, one of the uh, older great you know, divisions called Gateway. And I was 19, 20 at the time. And he said, hey, would you move with me? And for me, college really wasn't a desire. It was really just kind of go out and grind and work hard and, and do my best. So, you know, I asked my dad and, you know, really more so told my dad, like, hey, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm moving to St. Louis to go sell knives. So for me, you know, that was me kind of going to college, right? Moving out on my own, and living on my own, and then uh, had an opportunity to run a district office. So at the time, I kind of hit everything I thought was possible as a rep. You know, hundred thousand was kind of the pinnacle back then. And I said, I want to challenge myself. So I signed up and wrote the letter of intent and said, I'm going to go out and be the greatest DM ever and win a Rolex. And uh, unfortunately, I fell a little short of some of the big district level goals. But uh, I trained a lot of reps, over a thousand reps, and. Uh, and for me, that was like my university. So I always say Vector University is where I got my education and just had a lot of fun with that. And then really the deciding moment was after a few years of being an office manager, I went to a Tony Robbins conference and uh, he just really talked about, you know, unleashing the power within and, and, and stepping out there on faith and, and being the best you. And, and I really never felt that fully as a DM. I just love the art of the sale. So I closed my office right after that conference and I made a decision to be the all time, you know, just most branded, most recognized, most loved, most trusted Cutco rep to ever sell Cutco. So my story is still being written, 
but I feel people know me for the the brand, you know, Cut Go Mike and, and just all the promotional stuff. Yeah, that's cool. So you were at your first year in banquet. You'd been in the business for about five or six months and you're there watching people get awards and you decide you're going to win a sword, the standard of excellence. Was it a hundred grand that it took for the sword back then? Yeah. 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 So you go out and you sell a hundred thousand in your first full year. That's pretty awesome to think about how quickly you succeeded at that level, Mike. Why do you think you did so well so fast? Yeah. So for me, you know, growing up in more of a blue collar, middle-class background, I just kind of learned growing up, you have to work for everything. So I took really same principles of, of work in retail and I just put it into Cutco, you know, and when they said there's a phone jam, I showed up, you know, when there was a meeting, I showed up when there was a field training, you know, I showed up. So I just kind of always showed up. And uh, I think if you show up, you know, that's half of the, the, the part of being successful. And then if you show up with 100% of excitement and, uh, and drive and passion, you can really achieve anything, wh whether it's selling knives or selling carpet or toilet paper. You know, if you show up and you do your absolute best, you can make your name, you know, in any business and any career, any opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So then you ended up being a district manager and you learned a ton through that experience, which is great to hear. Now, I recognize that you said that some people just really love selling, and that's where you saw yourself fitting in. You just love the selling aspect with Cutco. And so you decided to be the best rep, the most branded, best known, best loved. And Mike, you're well on your way to, to being that. You're already one of the all-time greats. I'd love to get into what you think it is that makes you unique and great in this business. Yeah, Dan, it's an honor anytime you hear your name or, or get mentioned as anything great or in the making of being great. So, you know, our stories are still being written. But uh, what comes to mind is just full transparency. You know, I really invite everybody into my life. So sometimes my wife gets tired of cutting on Mike and she's like, where's Mike Dowd at? You know, so I live the brand, you know, at home, at church, at the stores, in, in the work field, because I want people to know me. For me, you know, and that's what faith, family, and fun. So I've really just been an open book. And uh, I'm sure there's people that go, man, you're just too open. But to be great, sometimes you have to do things that most people don't want to do. So really just being fully transparent just with, with everything I do has really helped me kind of just get recognized and remembered. And just making Cutco the buying experience an experience, you know, not a transaction. I think a lot of times it's just easy to get into writing up receipts and, and slips and order forms that you don't create anything great when you just focus on the, the, the dollar or you know sign where the dotted line is. But I made it intentional to make buying Cutco an experience. And uh, I want my customers to remember that experience forever because they can buy Cutco so many ways. You know, they can buy it at Costco now. They have Cutco stores, you know, in certain cities. They have, you know, college kids. They have an open websites. So there's many ways people could buy Cutco. So I wanted to make their way of buying it through me the most fun and most memorable. You know, I've even branded my clothes, you know, everything Cutco. You know, my wife would sometimes get mad at me because, you know, we're, we're branding Nike Under Armour clothes that are expensive with Cutco. And I always said, well, if I'm out in public, I want people to know me as a Cutco guy. Uh, you know, our license plates say Cutco and Mr. Cutco. Uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, my luggage says Cutco. If you own Toomey, you know, you can put a little tag on it. So 
I just wanted to be a walking brand. Obviously, there's policies and, and standards in place, so make sure you're following those things. But you want to do it in an elegant, high-end, high-level way by you know honoring you know the great company, right, Cutco. And you know some fun things I do that I think make me a little different is I really try to honor my customers with something fun. So I went through my list and I made something called like the black card status. So if you think of Amex, you know you think of black cards is like the coolest thing out there. And, and some of this stuff I've learned from the great John Rulin, but I just made it my own, you know, in the form of selling Petco. And it's funny because people go, do you run a business? And yes, there's aspects of selling Petco that are like running a business, but I am just still proud to be a salesman. And some of the greats, you know, they didn't have a team or a staff. They just sold Petco. And I'm proud of that. I'm not afraid to say I roll on my orders still at night because I want to remember my customer's name and in the experience of the whole process. So this is just something fun, you know, about 500 of my top customers out of 15,000 got this letter and it's basically you're, you're invited to be a one percenter and there's some fun little perks and gifts that come along with it and they get this really hard metal business card that says you're a black card member. So <laughs> people kind of, you know, people kind of remember, you know, that if they're in that group and then people aspire to be a part of that group and I need to make some new ones, but these are about like uh, seven years old. These are my tops cut go uh, baseball cards and uh, you can go on tops.com and make uh, business cards that you put your stats on the back. And when people would come up to the booth and I would sell, I'd go, by the way, you get my baseball card and I autograph it and I would date it. And I say, if you let this mature for 10 years and you bring it back to me, I'll give you a free night. we're we're, we're at about year seven so we'll see if a few people uh come back with those and then giveaways and contests you know uh one you are great and you inspire so many people dan and your ncaa contests and pool that you've done inspired me to do my own for my customers so i've on on like year number eight and people just really look forward to that it's a free contest and and i get a couple hundred people to do that and, and bragging rights and and then i do an nfl pool for the super bowl Anytime we have a kid, I do like a baby guessing contest. I do a lot of fun Facebook live videos with my kids and just make it raw and authentic. I've even made cut go Mike cookies, you know, for a home show. Hey, come and get a cut go Mike cookie. And it, it was literally a cookie that said cut go Mike. I've done mystery bags with just a bunch of goodies in there. I buy my customers VIP tickets to all my big shows and events. So you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just selling Cutco or saying you're fun, right? You know, I, I stand behind it with, with some fun stuff. You've created an entire experience around being a Cutco customer of you. All kinds of stuff that doesn't necessarily apply if they buy from other reps or through other methods. I think about creating your own pools for March Madness or the Super Bowl or the contests that you enable people to participate in or all the other stuff that you do. It's just really cool, Mike. It seems like it'd be really fun to be your customer. And I know that if I were a customer, I'd want to continue purchasing from you. And that's really the objective. Let's talk about some of the other lessons that you can share about promotion and marketing. There's going to be a lot of people listening here who are either in Cutco or they're in some other type of sales who I think can really glean some great ideas from what you have to offer. Yeah. So if you're in Cutco, obviously this pertains to a lot of Cutco stuff, but if you're in sales, you know, it's like take the road less traveled and, you know, be known as somebody who's a little different, a little quirky, a little fun and let your true colors show. Right. So, you know, in Cutco, we say like, oh, you know, Cutco sells itself. Right. You know, 
but it really doesn't buy itself, right? It's expensive and it's high quality and it's the best of its kind, but to create something big and memorable, you have to do things that are a little different and uh, a little bit of, you know, out there. So I always say like, be yourself because replicas don't sell for much. So all of you listening have something about you that makes you unique and cool and different. So I really encourage you to really just focus more on that and invite people into that part of you when you're selling whatever it is, if it's Cutco or another product, right? Because people buy the person selling it to layers and levels that are unheard of, right? So, you know, anybody can just go somewhere and buy something, but to do it multiple times or in thousands and thousands of dollars worth. Uh, I heard this from a guy on a plane. He's like a CEO and just a really wise guy like many years ago. And I was like, what are your greatest three tips of being successful? Or if you were me and had to go back in time and, and do life all over again. And the thing that I remember of his tips was treat your clients like family because without them, you really have nothing, right? If you're in sales and you don't have a base or you don't have an hourly pay. And I just remember that. And I still believe that, you know, if you treat them like family, one, they're going to, they're going to respect you like family. They're going to love you like family, but then you have kind of this membership and you have this community that it's exciting. And another thing that I just really believe in is, is service first, sales second. Let me say that again, service first, sales second, because anybody can buy something that's quality or even not quality but just something. But what makes something remembered is the back-end experience, how you perform when there's a mess up, when there's a call to get something fixed. I want my customers to know that I'm always going to get it fixed and get it done right. And uh, you know, when you mess up, because it does happen, do you go above and beyond? You know, the great John Rulin always talks about, you know, what do you do when you mess up? And that's your opportunity to really wow somebody for life. You know, some of my biggest clients, I give back to them in ways that, you know, many people might not even do. So like my biggest business gift client, I'll, I'll actually sponsor lunch, you know, for 150 of their employees and spend, you know, a lot of money on pizza, but then I'll set up my service station there and I'll sharpen knives and send back knives for, for return and repair. Because to me, the greatest experience Cutco really has to offer is the actual warranty. You know, the knives perform, that's a given. But when somebody gets their knives fixed or replaced or returned or refurbished, or if you mess up and something is fixed right away, I really feel that's really where you get remembered even more than just the, the, the first experience. Another little thing I always like to say is like, light yourself up on fire and people will watch. So when you can have fun and you do things that are different or bigger, people remember that. My blood type is Cutco positive because that's my brand. That's my product. So I walk it out. I live it. I use the products at home. You know, I have everything I sell at home. Why not, right? If you want to sell everything that you have to offer, why not own it? So those are some things that kind of come to mind, you know, just kind of right off the bat. Is there anything that maybe you know about me that that people have mentioned or would, you know, hit on that point anymore, Dan? I like what you said there, Mike. You know, you open it up by saying that Cutco sells itself, but it doesn't buy itself. There's an actual human being that has to make the decision that they believe enough in you and they believe enough in Cutco to be able to shell out their hard-earned dollars to, you know, become a customer of this product and of you. And we've got to be able to have enough trust built up. 
we've got to build enough value and we've got to build enough of a relationship. Then if we want them to continue ordering, it's the ongoing relationship that gets built that keeps them coming back. You talked about treating clients like family and it's really clear you've established a whole new level of building relationships in your business. I think a lot of new reps listening to this would would be stunned by the level of care that you show in trying to develop or nurture the relationship. Of course, so many of our new reps aren't thinking about the long term. They're only thinking about the now. But when you can take actions like Mike does that help build the long term relationship, you're simply going to build a much stronger business and you're going to learn tools and ideas that can help you in building future businesses as well. You shared an insight also, Mike, that I thought was really interesting, which was about when mistakes happen, going above and beyond what's expected. There's an interesting concept that I've talked about for years in dealing with salespeople, and it has to do with the, a paradox that occurs when something goes wrong. And the paradox is that you actually have a stronger opportunity to build a great relationship when something does go wrong than you do under the normal course of events. Because under the normal course of events, everything is going as planned. It's sort of as expected, right? And, and that's good, of course. But when something goes wrong, people really get to see, gain an insight into what kind of person you are, what's your integrity, what's your character. And those things build a very, very strong relationship. I just had an experience literally yesterday where I was picking up an item at a tailor and I had brought a bunch of stuff into this tailor to have a lot of different things done. And they had messed one item. My other things were late twice. So I was literally going back for the third time, taking my valuable time to go pick up my last item. One of the items was messed up, you know, when I got it, uh, you know, in, in the second time. And I was pissed. I was really pissed that, you know, I would, I'd wasted my time and one of my shirts had something that was, you know, done wrong to it. And as I was picking up the last item, I thought, hey, this guy has a real opportunity here. Let's see how he treats this. I was picking up an item that was $95 for frame of reference. And I had probably spent 300 or so on a bunch of the other stuff. And I was a, a customer that had come in multiple times to this place. And if he had said, hey, you know what? I see that, you know, we made you come back a few times for this. I'm sorry about that. You know, messed up one of your items. Like, here, take this, right? This one's on us. That would have really struck me as, hey, this guy really wants to earn my business. This guy's genuinely apologetic that you know my time was wasted and one of my items was not done right. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And I don't think I would go back to that business again. I, I'm going to just pick a new place. And it's just an interesting concept that you make a mistake, if you mess up an order, if something's not done right or something's late, right? you have a real opportunity right there when you go above and beyond what's expected. This is not to say mess stuff up on purpose, because of course that's silly, but we will all mess stuff up once in a while. And it's clear, Mike, that you have that mentality that you want to go above and beyond for your customers. And so that's a really cool thing. Yeah, you're right on. You know, that tailor had an opportunity to comp your order and even, you know, give you something extra or comp your next order to make you excited to come back. And that's really what it comes down to is making people excited to come back and do business with you. Yeah, exactly. Anything else you got on uh, promotion, marketing, thoughts on that? Yeah, something that I just also remember is, you know, Jim Rohn is, you know, one of the greatest sales 
people, motivational speakers, authors, and he talked about experiences, you know, so the more you do in life, the more you have to talk about, the more rapport you have, the more you could relate with somebody. So I've always been intentional about doing things that are, that are new, that are cool, that are different. I'm not super adventurous. So it's not like jumping off a cliff and, and filming it. But anytime I'm somewhere, I always like to share that experience, you know, with, with my customers on email or Facebook or in person, because that just makes me more likable, more unique, but more relatable. So I think it, it's important to continue to just add more life experience to your resume because it's going to help you relate and have rapport with people. And then uh, don't be afraid to share your goals, you know, be open with your sales numbers and contests and your weaknesses. And I I really feel that's really just made me be the person I am today is because people buy into that. And not everybody does, you know, I'm sure I lose a percentage of my customer following because maybe I'm a little too out there with my goals and my contests, but I don't want those people or, or those people don't care about me enough to buy again if, if they're not into that. So I love sharing my family goals, my business goals, my faith goals. I love sharing my contest numbers because people kind of buy into the story. They buy into the finished. They buy into the grand finale. And then, then be real too. You know, if you mess up or if you have a bad day, don't be afraid to share that. You know, if you're on social or you have a, a presence in front of people, people also like to know that you're real and you're human and you're not always a, a superhero, right? So that comes yeah. to mind. That's awesome. I did an episode with Deanna Scortino, one of the other all-time top Cutco reps, and the episode was called Authenticity Creates Connection. And one of the things that I think applies to Deanna, that applies also to Cutco Mike, is that they're very authentic in the way that they present themselves and the way they interact with other people, with their customers in particular. And I think what happens is people who identify with you, with who you are, with how you are, those people will become your lifelong customers. And there might be some people who don't click with it all, and that's okay. You know, some of the additional promotion that you do or emails or how you put yourself out on social media, there might be some people that just don't click with that, but that's okay. The majority will identify in your authenticity, your transparency, as you put it, connects them more deeply to you. And Mike, that's why you've developed such a great following over the years. Now, you've referenced Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn as having influenced you. I'd like to know, Mike, who have been some of the most important influences on you in the Cutco business? You know, in sales, there's so many books you can read. So there's a bigger list of just famous people, but I love to pay homage to the greats, you know, the legends, the people that paved the way for me in Cutco. And, uh, and, and Tom Rastrelli, aka the Godfather, is uh, somebody that really I owe a lot to because when I did close my office, you know, he was the first guy to reach out to pick me up kind of when I was a little down, to invite me to his home. And uh, I had the opportunity to work with him over a weekend and we had so much fun. And, and I really feel that I'm the, the father and the, the husband and the family man today because of that early experience. You know, I had dinner with Tom and Jill at like an Italian restaurant. You know, I got to bunk up in their guest room and just see the dynamics of somebody who's kind of made it as a great human, as a great family man, a man of faith. And I pay a lot of homage to Tom uh, Ristrelli for that. And he had some fun stories of like, at a show, there was a fly buzzing around his booth the whole time. And 
and he took a 1724 bread slicer and sliced a fly moving in half. <laughs> and, uh, it's just a weird story, but you know, I, I just remember that, you know? So you have to ask Tom about that story and, and just, just so many laughs. And, you know, and those are, it's not really about the money or the sale. It's about those fun moments and memories. And then uh, one of my first conferences, you know, the great Jerry Otteson, you know, Mr. Cutco. And uh, I have his book here. I don't know if we'll use any of the video here, but he wrote a book uh, called Great Salespeople Never Die. They just got a commission. And I remember going up to him at a, at a conference. I was like 19. I was like, give me your best three tips. And, and so many people have that opportunity to go ask questions. But, you know, are you really a question master? And I put myself out there and he actually put me in his book. And it was pretty cool to see. But he gave me a lot of just early wisdom. Like, like is your believer meter broken? You know, you have to believe in Cutco that is so high that just people want to buy. So I always say, you know, be that squeaky hinge that needs the grease and be a question master. Because the more questions you ask, the more you're going to learn. And then you're going to develop friendships with people that you maybe never even thought was possible. And then people like my manager, Justin Donald, you know, when I was brand new, I went one for 11. I sold 172 bucks and I was ready to quit. And he pulled me in his office and really just gave me one of those talks of like, hey, I believe in you. Your results today don't reflect what you can become. And, uh, and obviously, I moved for this guy. He was my best man. He just believed in me through every chapter of Cutco. And he obviously went on to do some great things with Cutco. And then Mike Muriel uh, is now a region manager. Gave me my first trophy in that moment. You know, getting my first trophy, being somebody who loves sports and baseball. Uh, I felt like I made it. And then after that, I went on to pretty much win every trophy in our central region. And it's because of those early moments of somebody saying, you know, congratulations, I believe in you. And then uh, John Kane is uh, just somebody many people love. But, you know, John Kane really brings the best out of you when you're in your lowest moments. And I was at a district manager conference and I was kind of like on my way out mentally. And I went up to him and I was like, I don't know if this is for me or or where, where I could be, but I love Cutco. And he's, he, he said this to me, he's like, if you love Cutco and you love helping people, there'll always be a place in this business for you. And I still remember that conversation, you know, when I was at one of my lower moments of my, my vector Cutco career. You know, if you love Cutco and you love helping people, there always will be a place and an opportunity for you. Mm, that's an awesome insight from John Kane that people could take to heart that whoever you are listening, if you're in this Cutco business, remember that concept that if you love Cutco, and you love helping people, there will always be a place and an opportunity for you. You, know, you can always find a role in this company that best suits you, that enables you to work in what I would call your superpower. And clearly, Mike has found that role in his superpower. And Mike, you also mentioned to me that early in your career, you had some opportunities to room with some pretty epic people in the business on various company trips, and you learned a lot from them. Can you share that with us also? Yeah. So, you know, my first trip was in Cabo when I sold a hundred thousand and I was rooming with, uh, Jeremy Rising or brother James and, uh, and him and, uh, Brad Weimer were like best buds. And they were like, you know, some of the original guys to break through 200,000, you know, for yeah. the Rolex and just rooming with him taught me a lot about not quitting and going out there and making it happen because he actually fell an order short of the Rolex 
one year and they told me a story of how it all went down and then he went out the next year and made it happen and then my next uh you know, maybe just the guy, you know, Cutco gods were looking out for me because my next trip, I was with John Rulin as a roommate. And and John will tell you that he didn't even like me at first. I was a little <laughs> bit too out there. And then, uh, you know, I had my dream book and I was reading him all my dreams and he still remembers that. And, you know, eight years later, he sends me an email, be my neighbor. And I thought it was, uh, you know, a mass email to everybody. But uh, he said it was only, only a handful of elite people he sent it to. And then now, you know, I'm his neighbor. So we share the same driveway. And then, you know, I've had the opportunity to, you know, room with uh, Adam Sobieski and Tony Carlson. And these are like Mount Rushmore people of Cutco. So one is you don't know who you're rooming with. So take it serious, befriend them, ask questions. And, uh, and don't be afraid to ask the Cutco or your business that you're in people to room with the best, right? Because you never know what'll come from that. So. What a great group of guys that you got a chance to hang out with on some of those early trips, Mike. That's great. So now, Mike, you're married. You've got two kids. You've got a third one on the way. You're cranking out the sales. I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear how you balance it all. So let's talk about that for a bit. How do you balance work and family? Yeah, so I hit on goals a little bit. So I think you have to force yourself to do goals. Uh, and I like to do goals that are not just Cutco goals. So that naturally gives me motivation, right? So it gives me the desire to go out and work, but I really focus on including my family, my faith in those goals. So what that means is, you know, you can chase awards or money, but you know, you'll, you'll end up finding that you kind of get lonely, you know, when you're just chasing those things. So for me, Put my family and my faith first with all my choices is really how I run my business, you know, the last, you know, eight years. And, and it's crazy because the last eight years I've grown my business by adding more things like kids and a wife to my plate. So just being intentional about saying like yes to things that you love doing and, and opportunities that will allow you to maximize your time invested. So when I show up to work, you know, I bring a thousand percent. Because it allows me to get the most out of that time. And it's kind of cool because I don't work every single hour of the day like I used to when I was single in my beginning years, which I did for 10 years. You know, I grinded every single hour of the day. But now, you know, I make it intentional about being home for dinner or working less shifts or less days. And I've been fortunate to beat a lot of people if you're, you're competitive based by just focusing that time that I do work and just bringing it, you know, a thousand percent. And then another quote I heard a long time ago is like, I think Jeff Bryce said something like this, and he's another Mount Rushmore, you know, fire yourself every night, but just rehire yourself every morning. So it's like putting it all out there. It's okay to hang up the cleats at night, but just put them back on, you know, the next morning. And then, uh, you know, some stuff that I do that helped me is, you know, we plan out a, a paper schedule, even though I know we're in the, the Google world here, but, you know, still a paper schedule and I use colors and highlights and, and I'll, write down everything for, you know, two or three months in advance, you know, that I'll be at or doing. So my wife and my family kind of know what I'm doing. So they're never like, Oh, wh when did this event pop up? So they're in the know, but then I also like to have fun stuff like date nights and family trips and sports events and things that are fun to look forward to. So even if I am grinding and working hard, you know, my wife could still have something to look forward to. Yeah, I think it's definitely important to have the schedule planned out and clearly shared, particularly for somebody that travels quite a bit, 
Uh, as I know you do, I, I also travel about twice a month. And it's very important to make sure that's communicated so that everybody knows what to expect. I, I really like what you said about, I only say yes to the opportunities that are going to really add value and support the goals that you're trying to achieve. I think it's very important to be very careful about what to say yes to. The busier you get, the more choices you will have, the more invitations you will have. And this means being willing to say no from time to time. I very frequently get invitations to come to an event or to participate in something or to speak for someone else. And, and I say no to a lot of those things. And I do think that's an important thing to be willing to do. I like the analogy you used, Mike, of the baseball player putting on their cleats. Uh, you know, that uh, they, you know, it's okay to hang them up at night, put them on in the morning. You know, baseball is very ritualistic. And when a baseball player puts on their cleats, right, they're going to work. And when they're done with their work, they take off the cleats. And, and, and it's okay, as I said, to have that mentality that, you know, there's going to be a time where I'm done and I'm taking off the cleats. For anybody who's working hard and balancing work and family, there's a time to turn it on and there's a time to turn it off. And I think many of us might be able to create rituals through which we do turn it off at the end of the day. Maybe it's at a specific time every day that you just put your phone away and it's put away for a couple hours, which is your time with family, kids, you know, or whoever. The whole idea of turning work on and off is an important part of balancing work and family. For the most part, there's really nothing so urgent that you have to be tied to your phone for 24 hours a day. You know, occasionally there might be nights where you have to keep working a little bit later and you explain that to family that, hey, tonight, right, because I just did this today, I'm expecting some calls, I'm going to be, I'm going to have my phone out and I'm going to be working tonight. You know, or maybe there might be some key times uh, in the calendar where for a few days you're working extra hard and someone understands that that's a part of what you do and, you know, understands the rewards and benefits on the flip side of that then I think that's received pretty well, as long as things are clearly communicated. For the most part, though, I think we need to be able to turn things on and off, hang up the cleats, as you said, and then just put them back on when we're ready to get to work again the next day. Mike, what do you feel like you're most excited about for the future? Yeah, so, you know, every day I show up to sell Cutco, it's really to build the brand Cutco. And I love Cutco so much that I love inspiring people to build that brand. So, one of the things that I love thinking about is, you know, like when you refer to a, a tissue, most people refer to it as a Kleenex, right? Or when you refer to a, a marker, it's, hey, do you have a Sharpie, right? Or if it's a notepad, it's, hey, do you have a Post-it, right? These are all brands, you know, these are brand names that have become iconic brands or thoughts or mentions. So when people refer to a knife or a kitchen product, I want them to refer to it as a Cutco. Where's my Cutco? Not where's my knife? And I, I feel like every time I, I, I work and every day I go out there, it's just continue to really uh, create that. And then while doing that, obviously, I want people to think of Cutco Mike, you know, little selfish plug there so they can buy more Cutco from me, right? Because I got two kids and one on the way and maybe some more in the future to support. So the goal is to keep selling and keep growing and to hit over a million dollars in sales, you know, in the next few years will be a kind of a cool milestone. And I know I'll get there just through some of the systems and honoring God and family and my customers. And then, you know, the long-term goal and legacy is to build a book of business 
in the, the multiple thousands of customers that my, my kids will hopefully take over or kid or somebody in my family chain that could to create the, the Cutco Lincoln or Cutco Duke and carry the torch, you know? So that would be, if I'd be remembered by that, that would be the ultimate, you know, form of legacy. Right? And okay. if not, people remember the years that I did go out there and, and work my butt off and make, make it fun buying Cutco. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. You know, if you're selling a million dollars a year and you've got tens of thousands of customers down the road, there's a pretty good chance that Lincoln or Duke or your third child will want to be a part of that. And, you know, we've got an awesome job working in Cutco. It certainly is more than just selling knives. We have a chance to impact people in a really positive way. And I know that you're a great influence, Mike, not just through your sales, but in the ways that you impact the central region and the company. You're just one of the all-time greats. And I'm very grateful to have had you on the podcast today. So thanks so much for all your stories and your insights. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, it was a ton of fun. And uh, I'm sure we'll look back and, and laugh at some of the fun stories and questions. All right. Awesome, Mike. Well, have a nice day. Have a nice day, baby. That was Cutco Mike, everyone. I hope you guys all enjoyed that. I really enjoyed being able to have a conversation. That's a guy that I don't really have a lot of opportunities to talk with on a regular basis in the business. And I really enjoyed being able to have that conversation, get to know Cutco Mike a whole lot better here through this. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Cool to hear how Mike progressed in the early phases of his career where he was willing to move with Justin Donald from Chicago down to St. Louis to take on a new opportunity, uh, ran an office for a while, and then decided that selling was the path he wanted to take. For anybody in the Cutco Vector business, you know, for a career opportunity, you know, we've got the sales rep opportunity, we've got the management opportunity, and different people jive with different roles. And what I really like is the fact that Mike took on the management opportunity for four years because number one, that helped him to realize where he felt most comfortable, where he felt most confident in his future with Cutco. But also what he learned through the management opportunity has been instrumental in his success in the company longer term. If you look at the list of the all-time great people in the history of Cutco in personal sales, a dramatically high percentage of those people have run a Cutco office, either as a branch or district manager, and gotten that experience in leadership, in running a business, in you know motivating themselves and others. And, and I'm sure that played a large role in Cutco Mike's success since then. I like that he said, if you love Cutco, there's a place for you here. The quote from John Kane, and that's true for anyone listening. There is a place for you to be able to do well, succeed, have a lucrative career that you enjoy, that makes a difference, and that uh, gives you a great lifestyle. Cutco Mike got around some really good people early in the business. Shout out to Tom Rastrelli as one of the great influences to him early on. And that list of Cutco sales professionals that he had a chance to room with on some of the early Cutco trips that he won is a pretty amazing list. And that, of course, enabled him to get a lot of the right influence from others. The concept of treating clients like family, right? Whatever business you're building, right? How can you create that family feel? How can you bring people into something that's unique and special for them? That is what creates that feeling of wanting to do business with you in the long term. I thought that was great. Only saying yes to the opportunities that you're going to fully be able to maximize. I think that 
becomes critical as you balance more and more things in your life, particularly if you get to the phase where you're balancing work at a high level, along with having a family, it becomes very important to choose your spots as far as what you're going to commit yourself to. And it's clear that Mike is learning how to do that in a way that enables him to have a positive family life while running a highly successful, amazing Cutco business on his way to a million dollars in personal sales for a year, which I'm sure we'll see from Cutco Mike in the years ahead in the not too distant future. So great stuff right there. Hope you all enjoyed it. And in the spirit of Cutco Mike, have a nice day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.